God promised he would make us a peculiar people. Well, he kept that one, didn't he? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Here's an unusual kind of sermon to illustrate the unusual things Christians do. Jim will be joined by several other folks at different points in his talk to give live illustrations of baptism, foot washing, and other ordinances. And he'll explain the reason and significance of each act. Beyond mere obedience, there's deep symbolism here. His sermon is, The People of God Are Peculiar, Part 1. One of the final things Jesus said after he had gone to the cross, after he had risen from the dead, after he had convinced his disciples that it is I, myself, see, it's me, this is really me, this is, this is me in the body in which I was crucified, I really am alive. We read in Matthew chapter 28 these marvelous words, verse 16, then the 11 disciples who would be absent, who's, who's the one that's missing from the 12? Judas. Judas. Yeah, Judas is not there, he's committed suicide. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. I wonder which mountain that was. I suspect it was the Mount of Transfiguration myself, the place where he first announced to them, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the text doesn't say. It just says that up in Galilee, there was a mountain that Jesus had pre-arranged an appointment to meet his disciples after his resurrection. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know the Negro spiritual, the little chorus that says, he's got the whole world in his hands. You know that one? Well, this one says he's got the whole universe in his hands. He is Lord of all. Black forces, demon forces, angel forces, human peoples, forces of nature, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, since that's true, go. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our task, to stimulate each other, to provoke each other, to understand what Jesus has commanded us to do, and to do it as unto him. And he promised that he would be with us unfailingly. He would be with us. He would not abandon us. He would be with us all the way through to this age ends and another age begins. Now, Father in heaven, make us warm. Encourage us. Excite us about this high and holy privilege.
There is no higher name. There is no more powerful person. No one else is in control but you, Lord. Whatever and whoever live out there in the regions of the universe, they're under your control. They are under your authority. They recognize you as their creator and master. Whatever angelic and archangel forces fill the heaven of the heavens, they all bow at the mention of your name. They dare not, they dare not rebel against your orders. We watch the rover on Mars, and we marveled at the great technology and at the things the scientists are learning, and yet we're seeing every day that it's flawed. It's, it's so limited. It's so susceptible to, to its own failures. But not you. You walk the surface of Mars as readily as you walk the aisles of this church. The golden streets of heaven and the fiery pit of hell are all open to you. You are Lord of all. And we respect that to our own blessing when we obey your word. So today, as we think through some of the things you've told us we ought to do, may we respond with full heart, not to a church, certainly not to a preacher, not even to a book, but to you. Thank you for this book. And thank you for those who've loved and died to make this book available to us that we might know and study for ourselves the things that you've commanded so we might order our lives to obedience. Lord, we worship you with our, our offerings. Thank you for this privilege of giving. Thank you for the wonderful response of this congregation. Thank you for their generous giving. And I pray that today, as we love you with our offering, that you'll take all of our gifts and multiply them and make them sufficient for the ministries you've entrusted to our care. Bless each heart as that heart expresses love to you and worship of you in giving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The people of God do different things, not to be strange, but because we want to be obedient. One of the ways that we honor the Lord is by obeying him and his command of baptism. Gunner's going to help us today. Come on up, please. How you doing? Good. Good. Gunner, you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? When did you invite him to come into your heart? Do you um, remember? When I was five years old. Five. Five years old. That's how old I was. How did that happen? At home or in Sunday school? Or? Um, I was at home and I was lying in bed. 
and I wanted Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. You bet. I understand that. I was scared to death that I'd have to go to hell. That's one of the things that moved me to do it. Were your mom and dad Christians before you? Yeah. So they were teaching you these things? Were you going to Sunday school too? Yeah. So you were learning these things as a child. Yeah. That's marvelous, Gunner. Now look at me. Someday you'll be standing here where I am. Yeah. But you won't have gray hair yet. You'll have more hair than I have. And that's okay. And you won't need glasses yet. But someday you'll be standing here because you see what I'm about to do is something that your daddy or your mommy or your Sunday school teacher could be doing. I'm really thrilled you asked me to do it. It's a real privilege to do this. But we want all those folks out there to know that, that I get to do this not because I'm the pastor, but because you asked me to do it. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that the people who are going to be teaching you to obey all the things that Jesus commanded are the people who are supposed to be baptizing. And that's neat. Once you kneel down, right ahead, Gunnar. Now, now, folks, this experience will be of no value at all to Gunnar if he doesn't know what's happening. And it won't be any value to you if you don't know what it means. Uh, this is just... It's just tap water, Gunner. It's, it's not uh, holy water in the sense that it's different than any other water. But it becomes holy water because we're using it to picture something. Now, if, if I put your head under the water and held your head under the water for, say, 10 minutes, what would happen? That's right. Now, I'm not going to do that. You know, you know that. You know that. But see, you're not a fish. You're a guy like me. And we don't have gills. We got nose and lungs. And that means that when you're under the water, it's a perfect picture of death. You heard about that little boy or little girl this week that slipped off the ice, went through the crack down in the creek, and was in the water for like 10 minutes. You heard about that? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a very scary thing because... Um, you die if you stay under the water. And that's what it does. It pictures for us and for you the fact that you're going or you have died. You have said to the Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to die. And I want you to give me your life in that place. See? Now, Jesus said we were to recognize God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if I didn't say a thing, I'm going to try that in just a minute, okay. If I didn't say a thing, what I do with you should be clear to everybody out there what you mean by your baptism. That you understand that you have a relationship with God the Father and that God the Father didn't die on the cross for you. Jesus did. And you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and that Jesus is at the right hand of God on the throne in heaven. And his spirit, God the Holy Spirit, actually lives inside your heart. I know you know those things. But some folks are so confused about that. And what we're doing is we're honoring what God has told us to be true of himself. That he's three different people. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God. Three people. I'll never be able to totally figure that out. You won't either, but we don't need to. 
We don't need to understand it. All we need to do is to believe it because the Bible tells us it's true. You don't have any question with that, do you? No, I know you don't. And what you're doing is you're saying that I want God the Father to be my Father. I want God the Son to be my Savior. I want God the Spirit to be my energy, my life. I want Him to live inside of me. And I want everybody else, both the people who can see and all the people who are watching now are small potatoes, Gunner. There may be a hundred million spirit beings right now, angels, demons, that are watching. And what they want to know is, is Gunner really serious about this matter of following Jesus? Does he really take the Bible seriously? And I want to help you tell them, yep, we're serious about this. We're dead serious about this. So much so that we're going to do something that seems very strange, very different. You don't usually see people baptizing when you go to the park or in the pool. You don't usually see that. This is not something everybody does every day. And we're only doing it because Jesus commanded it. So I'm not going to say anything, okay? But I'm going to help you to be baptized three times. So what I'll do is I'll help you go under the water as deeply as you can and then come back up. And then a second time, back up. And a third time, back up. Okay? Got it? Ready? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll put your hand over your nose there. That a boy. And you want to grab my arm there. That'll give you some stability. Okay, Gunner. I baptize you in the name of the Father. Again. And again. Gunner, you've just done what the Lord Jesus Christ wants every believer to do. Congratulations. Let me pray for you. Blessed Father, thanks for this, uh, this young man and his desire to honor you, to love you. Thank you for his obedient faith. You need to understand it all. He's willing to take it by faith because that's what your Bible says. He believes that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross and he's invited him into his heart. He knows that because of that he has a relationship with you, O oh God, as his Father forever. And he knows that you, Holy Spirit, are also God, equal with the Father and the Son, and that you have a dynamic role to play in his life, communicating new life to him. I pray that you would consecrate him, that you would fill him with your presence, that you would reveal to him your will, give him great courage as he faces the enemies who try to make him stumble and fall. Give him great knowledge in your word as he reads and seeks to obey it. Thank you for his willingness to help all of us today understand what you commanded in baptism and why that's important. Bless him, I pray. Encourage his mom and dad and his, his family, and may they, like him, find great joy in obeying you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now once you clap, tell Gunner you're glad for it. They'll help you with everything that you need. Now, how about you?
Have you done this yet? I was going to ask you a minute ago, how many have been baptized? And I suppose everybody put your hand up, but I also suppose that many of you that put your hand up to say, yeah, I've been baptized. If I said you remember it, you'd have to take your hand down because you were probably baptized as an infant. And your folks told you about it. And, but you see, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that baptism is your decision, something you need to do. Something you need to do, your personal response to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to do that. Have you, since you became a follower of Jesus Christ, since you invited him into your heart, have you been obedient to the Lord in the waters of baptism? Have you? If you have, good. If you haven't, this is the beginning place. This is, this is where you start. This is one of those initial things you do. Strange, yeah, different, yeah, but uh, commanded, commanded. I know that some of you have been baptized by a different method, and you may have been sprinkled, you may have been poured, you may have been dunked once. My debate isn't with you on that. My encouragement is that you do this because I know this is what Jesus commanded. And this doesn't repudiate all the other times that you've expressed your faith. I was trying to count up the other day. I think I've been baptized over 300 times so far. And frankly, I'd get in here and let Gunther baptize me again if it wasn't so cold. Because you see, baptism doesn't mean a once-for-all thing. It's not like marriage. Well, I've been married once. I'm always married. It doesn't bother me at all to stand up beside my wife and say, let me repeat those vows to you again, sweetheart. That's not a desecration of my wedding day. Not at all. So there's nothing implied of failure when we obey the Lord with all of our heart to the knowledge that we have. I hope you'll think about that. And if we can help you be obedient to the Lord in this peculiar thing we do, by all means, let us do that. Now, Steve and uh, Bill are doing something that also seems peculiar. And Jesus said that uh, we are to teach people to do all that he commanded. In John chapter 13 in the upper room, the Lord Jesus Christ took his disciples for a pre-Passover meal, and the Bible tells us that during the supper, he got up, Jesus wrapped himself with a towel, and, and began to wash the disciples' feet, just like you see Bill and Steve doing. Let me read to you what Jesus said after he finished that uh, experience, after he had, he had taken his garments, sat down again. Jesus said this, John chapter 13, Jesus said, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to be humble with one. No, that's not what it says. It says, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, if you're from West Virginia and you didn't get it, he continues by saying, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Uh, brothers and sisters, I don't know of any command in Scripture that Jesus gave that's clearer than that. And he goes on to say that if you do these things, you'll be blessed for doing them. Why do we wash one another's feet? Well, we do that in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you say, I thought he was teaching humility. Humility is not even mentioned in the passage. He didn't say, I've shown you how to be humble. He said, I've washed your feet, and I've washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. I've told you how, and I've shown you how, and you say, I'm Lord and Master, so get with the program. Do it. I don't know what to be clearer than that. It's peculiar, yeah, but it's not strange. Earlier in the passage, Jesus had said to Peter, when Peter said, Lord, you won't wash my feet, Jesus said, now, Peter, look, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. You mean to tell me that what you just saw here between Steve and Bill is, is somehow, somehow connected with their relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh-huh, yeah, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thanks, fellows, talking about their feet, you and I don't have the relationship that's symbolized by this service. And it's not salvation. That's, we've already had the bath, Jesus explained. He that has had a bath has been saved. You don't, you don't need to go back and have another bath, but you do need to have your feet washed. Now, Jesus isn't here today, but he wants you to have your feet washed in his name. So who gets to be Jesus to you? Turn around to your neighbor and say, you are Jesus for me. Go ahead. You are Jesus for me. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that when you wash your neighbor's feet, you are doing to him as he did to the disciples because he wants your feet washed. And he wants me to serve you in washing your feet. To remind you of a relationship that we have with each other and with him. Strange? Well, no. Different? Yeah. Yeah, different. The early Christians had to explain their worship practices to the pagan world. After all, they were meeting in secret because of persecution, so all sorts of dark rumors sprang up about what those horrible Christians were up to behind closed doors. Here and now, you can walk into a church on a Sunday morning and get the whole picture. And it's not very weird, just different. Jim's message is, The People of God Are Peculiar, Part 1. We'll send you a CD containing the sermon for an offering of $7 or more. If you'd like all 17 talks in our series, The People of God, please send a donation of $59 or more. Some radio ministries are funded as part of the annual budget of a large denomination. We're not. There's no way Right Start can operate except through the help of individual donations. Your prayers and gifts are our sole means of support, humanly speaking. To members of our giving family, thank you. If you'd like to reach out, mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437 Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
And visit our website, where you'll have access to many helpful audio resources. The address is rightstartradio.org. You can play radio programs and play or download complete sermons without the broadcast interruptions. If you want to make sure you never miss a program, it's easy. Subscribe to the Right Start podcast. That's hosted on iTunes, but there's a link at rightstartradio.org. You can donate there, too. rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Well, how else are Christians peculiar? We'll find out tomorrow. Please join us for Friday's Right Start. Thank you.